Hello, and welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. I'm Will Patch, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader for Higher Ed, and this episode is a recording of a webinar where we dove into what is SFTP, and then how do you use it for importing students, in this case specifically into Slate. The same ideas here will work across whichever CRM that you use. So I hope you enjoy the recording. I hope it answers some questions for you. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to our Slate stage presentation on SFTP. What is it? Why should you use it for importing students? And what are the benefits? My name is Anthony Costanzo, and I'll be moderating today's session from our office in New Haven, Connecticut. So I'm pleased to be joined by today's panel from Niche, uh, Will Patch, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader, Damian Snook, Manager of Enrollment Operations, and Brian Clark, staff software engineer on the back end. All right. Thank you, Anthony. So we're going to be talking about probably the most exciting topic of the entire event here, which is SFTP. Uh, so I'm glad that we have so many people signed up. It's going to be an interesting discussion, I think in part because we have people coming from very different backgrounds for this. We will get started with some quick intros and then drive straight into the presentation here. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Brian Clark. I'm a staff software engineer on the backend side uh, at Niche, which means I work primarily on the behind the scenes services and tools that power our website and allow us to interface with our partners. Uh, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm excited to join you all today to talk about SFTP. Hi, everyone. My name is Damian Snook. I'm the manager of enrollment operations with Niche. Um, primarily, that means I work with the direct admissions team uh, to set up a lot of our partners, integrate them, and prepare their uh, Slate instance or other CRM instance to, to grab the data that we're providing over. So certainly, SFTP is part of our regular day-to-day -day life. Uh, my background, I worked on college campuses for about 12 years as a professional, started really front of the house, um, worked in admissions, orientation, transition, uh, went through a, a director of orientation role. Um, but I'm based out of Tucson, Arizona, so I got tired of wearing a suit in 100-degree heat and transition to backend data uh, analytics. And so previously as a director of enrollment analytics, and then recently transitioned to Mitch last year. And I'm Will Patch. I'm the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader for Higher Ed. My role here, that just is a fancy way of saying I get to play with data all day long and make it tactical. So I, I manage the Enrollment Insights blog, our student surveys and research, the Enrollment Insights newsletter. Uh, we do webinars, sometimes several a month. Uh, we have the Enrollment Insights podcast. Basically, if there's something that can help uh, higher ed institutions basically use our information and, and recruit students better, that's why I get to play in. Uh, so we're going to start off here. Got another, got another poll. We're starting you off hot here with some questions. This time, though, what does SFTP stand for? What does this thing mean? It's a fancy acronym, we know. Looks like most people are going for secure file transfer protocol. I don't see a lot going for super fun time pals, but I think that would be a good uh, a good acronym for our, pres our, our presenters here. Okay, it looks like it is overwhelmingly people going for a secure file transfer protocol. And I will let Brian take it from here. Great. So got to admit, this was a bit of a trick question here because generally speaking, both SSH file transfer protocol and secure file transfer protocol are pretty much accepted names. Um, everybody will know what you're talking about if you use either of those two terms. Um, at its core, uh, SFTP is just a network protocol that provides file access, file transfer, and file management 
over any secure, reliable data stream. So what does this mean? Um, a network protocol just means that it's a set of rules that two computers can use to talk to each other over the internet. Using those rules, one computer called the client is able to send commands and data to the other computer called the server in order to affect the file system of the server. So file access, transfer, and management, in turn, refers to the types of commands that the client can send to the server. The SFTP protocol specifically contains a lot of commands that are helpful for moving files between the two computers. So that leads to what we haven't talked about yet, which is the S in SFTP, which stands for SSH, or secure, as we all noted. Um, SSH is another broader networking protocol that SFTP is built on top of, generally speaking. Um, SSH provides a way for two computers to establish a two-way encrypted data connection between them. And SFTP works on top of this underlying secure and reliable data stream to give us those nice file system commands we mentioned earlier. So how does SFTP work? Um, let's illustrate with a little example here. At the bottom of the screen, we have a school server with a special directory set aside for incoming data uploads for niche, as well as a specific service account user set up called niche-sftp-delivery with its own password set, which is set to password123. I'm sure you guys all know that's not a great password, but it's the one that, that's been selected here. Um, unfortunately, you can see that that directory I mentioned, slash home, slash niche-sftp-delivery, slash incoming, is actually empty. And we'd like to fill that directory with some data uploads. Meanwhile, on the top, across the internet, represented by this dotted line, we have a niche workstation containing a data upload file for the school, as well as a niche employee off to the right who has the credentials to log into this niche workstation like normal, like, like you would use your laptop every day, right? So the first step in this process um, to initiate the data transfer is for the niche employee to sign into their computer and initiate the transfer from their computer to the server running at this specific address, sftp.school.edu, just an example. So this process involves launching a program on their computer called an SSH client. And there's a number of different graphical programs that can function as SSH clients. You might have heard of some of them. These include things like WinSIP, PuTTY, Cyberduck, and others. Next, the SSH client will reach out over the internet using the host name, sftp.school.edu, to find exactly which computer to talk to on the internet. Once it's found the server, it will make a request to a specific port on the server to establish a connection between the two machines. And you can think of the host name like a warehouse's street address and the port number like a loading dock number at that warehouse. The address tells us how to find the building you know, on the map while the loading dock number tells us, once we've got to the building, which door to go to on that building to drop off, say, a specific type of package. So together, they tell us exactly how to, how to talk to that um, other server on the internet. Meanwhile, the server itself will be running a program called an SSH server. So this is a long-running program that sits around on the server over time, specifically waiting for these types of requests from SSH clients to come in. So at this point in time, the client will offer the username niche-sftp-delivery and the password, password123, to the server. 
a server inspects their credentials and authenticates them against one of the user accounts registered on the server. And that detail is pretty important. The SSH client has to authenticate as a specific user on the server that the server already knows about and has given permission to upload files. Um, these credentials can take either the form of a username and password, as in this example, or a public-private key pair, which we will discuss a bit further later on. Um, and at this point in time, we say that the two computers have established a secure SSH connection between the two of them that allows encrypted data to flow safely between them over the internet. Now, that SSH connection can serve as the secure, reliable data stream that the SFTP protocol requires. So now the SSH client can send an SFTP command over that connection saying, for instance, transfer the file upload.csv to my directory named incoming on the server. The SFTP protocol handles orchestrating, sending that data through the secure tunnel. And just like that, upload.csv appears in the slash home slash niche dash SFTP dash delivery slash incoming directory on the server as pictured in the uh, file screenshots in this diagram. And the last thing to mention here is that there doesn't actually need to be a human being on the client side of the connection. There's often a fully automated process on the client end that handles spinning up the SSH client and forming the connection with the server to execute the data transfer. And in fact, file transfer isn't the only capability of the SFTP protocol. Well, we won't dive too far into all of these other capabilities here, but you can actually use it for another of other file system tasks like moving files around, renaming files, creating and deleting directories, and so on. Just wanted to give that a note in case it comes up in some other more advanced use cases that you might come across later on. Now that we understand a bit about how SFTP works under the hood, let's talk about some of the technical benefits of using SFTP. So using SFTP for data transfer has some notable advantages compared to something like email, for example. So first and foremost, SFTP connections keep your data fully encrypted in transit over the internet, thanks to the fact that they rely on that secure underlying SSH connection, which is a huge benefit. Moreover, that underlying connection is authenticated, meaning that the person sending you data actually has to prove that they are who they say they are in order to send you data. And this generally helps you rest assured that your data is authentic and reliable. Technically, anyone could send you an email, and it's actually technically difficult to guarantee the identity of the sender in some circumstances. Um, another benefit of using SFTP is that there's no manual down step required. Or sorry, there's no manual download step required. Um, anytime that there's a manual step required in a process, that's an additional chance for something to go wrong. All it takes is someone maybe going on vacation or saving a file in the wrong folder to have some data fall out of the system or get lost, causing you to lose efficiency in time. And finally, a related benefit is that using SFTP allows us on the other end to much more quickly figure out when there's a kink in the data delivery pipeline. By contrast, when an email gets sent out, it's kind of hard to troubleshoot or figure out what went wrong. If that email got marked as spam, say, or delivered to a less than ideal or a less than perfect email address, it's uh, not always immediately apparent to us as the sender that something's gone wrong. And we actually might need to rely on you to find and report the problem. But when using SFTP, 
it's much easier to surface any delivery errors right there at the moment of delivery and take take steps to address them with you rather than you know waiting and losing valuable time with that data. Another technical benefit of SFTP is it allows you to use public-private key pairs for authentication instead of just passwords. So one big problem with passwords is you actually have to send that password around in order for people to use it, right? If you want somebody to use a password, you have to send it to them some way. With public-private key pair authentication, the client can actually generate a linked pair of keys, one private and one public. The public key is basically one really, really big number, and the private key is a couple smaller numbers that produce the really big number when multiplied. The secret sauce is that the client can then hand out the public key freely to anybody across the internet. It's not secret information. And this they can include sending it to the server they'd like to authenticate to, since it's not a secret. Then when the client goes to send a message to the server, such as with the data upload, they sign that message with the private key in a way that's only possible if they truly are in possession of that specific private key. The server can then just use the matching public key that they've been previously sent to verify that the person who sent the message has that private key and therefore can trust their identity without a password. So uh, that's uh, some of the technical benefits of using SFTP. And now I'm going to pass it off to for us to talk about the process benefits of SFTP. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. And so, you know, Brian covered really well, you know, what is an SFTP, the technical benefits of it, but you might be asking yourself, is this just going to add work or is this something that helps benefit my process? Um, you know, what I'll say and probably a couple of times is that Flake makes this really easy. And so it is something that has some initial setup, but ultimately has long-term dividends. Um, one of those benefits, obviously, is that uh, increased security that Brian talked about, especially with new data privacy laws coming into play. But there's also some process benefits. Um, so first of those, uh, Brian kind of touched on is reducing those dependencies. At Niche, we have multiple ways of delivering files. We can send it over email, provide a secure URL link to the, the partner's uh, identified contact. But then there's opportunity for bottlenecks. As Brian said, what happens if one of those staff members is on vacation? What if it's a small team? What about um, data privacy uh, if it goes to a shared email address? So there's all of these dependencies uh, on that delivery method. With SSTP, files are delivered to a centralized location. And so it cuts out some of the possibility for bottlenecks um, if there's staff transitions, staff out of office, and those sorts of things. The next one overall is just to improve efficiency. And so um, there's automation that can happen on either side. And with Slate, you can automate the import of the data that arrives at the SFTP uh, server. And so you can set up source formats that then are scanning the SFTP folders, looking for specific file types based off of their name, and then ingest that information imported into your CRM. And so it's something that, again, has some initial setup but long-term, it means that you don't have to have someone manually go through this process. Best practice is obviously to still check the SFTP Explorer, see if those files have been processed, um, to go through, consolidate records and whatever your process is, but it shifts that onus from um, manual import and data hygiene to just quality assurance at the end, making sure that everything is still operating smoothly and that students are going uh, imported into your system the way you'd expect. Finally, increased responsiveness, and this will get into the part that Will will talk about next, that 
uh, you know, by nature, you want to make sure that you can act on new prospects, new inquiries, new information um, that comes into your system. And SFTP and that automation part enables you to do that faster. And so if you have an automatic process that's checking for new files, they're delivered every 15 minutes, or if you know that files come on a regular cadence, daily, weekly, or otherwise, you can set it up so it scans for those files, imports them, and that can immediately go into the other flows that you have. If there's processes, decisioning, communication drip campaigns, you can get students into that earlier, which brings us to the next point of the recruiting benefits of SFTP. Yeah, this is much more than just on the uh, technical side. This can help you bring in your class as well, which, you know, maybe maybe a little optimistic, but, you know, we keep hearing from students that responsiveness and, and having the right information at the right time makes such a difference in their search. So you really want to be able to make the most of your inquiries and prospects. The faster you can get these names into the system, the faster you can respond, and the faster you can give them exactly what they're asking for. So if students are asking a question, because that's really what an inquiry is, right? They're inquiring, they're asking the sooner you can respond to that, the better off you're going to be perceived. Um, these students are asking a question. If I ask Brian a question, he stares at me for a week, two weeks, three weeks. That's not a great experience. Uh, they're looking for that response. Now, throughout your funnel, you know, you need to be thinking about how does this wind up looking? Because students who are at that awareness stage, they're just learning who you are. They're going to need different information. Once they start getting engaged, it's different information. Once they're applicant, I mean, all of these need different information. So the faster you can get them in and into the right bucket and into your comp flows, your nurture flows, whatever your terminology is, the better that experience is for them. And so being able to get these students in, get them the right information for their stage, the better. So what is it that they need? Well, prospects, prospects here, they need that awareness. They don't know who you are, most likely. Um, they, they may have heard of you in passing, but they didn't ask for information. They could be just a straight prospect of these students look like who we want to enroll, or it could be a case where you're using like a niche competitor overlap where they are looking at schools like yours and just don't know you yet. So you need to lead with who you are and why they should care. You need to give them that reason to opt in and, and essentially become an inquiry to really take that next step and engage and say, yeah, I, I do want to learn more, you know, rather than just giving them this generic information, treating them like everybody else. These prospects have to know why they should care. You have to earn that attention. And so the sooner you can get in front of them, the more time you have to actually convert them. Right. Once they've inquired, these are students who have asked a question. They've either said, yeah, I'd like to hear more in general, but they could have filled out an inquiry form on your biology page. Well, okay, respond with biology information. They could have filled it out on a summer camp page. They could have filled it out on the music page. And you know exactly what to respond to first there. Because if I'm filling out inquiry form on the music page, I don't need to be told to apply. I need to know about what your music program's like. They are asking for more information, so please provide that to them, right? You respond to that question. Use what you know, and then you can ask for more with supplemental forms. So you can have a very small, tight inquiry form. You know, you don't have to start off with a 40-question inquiry form. Now, it's a little different when you get from an inquiry partner like a niche where we've got over 30 fields already. But if you're going in with just your inquiry form, get what you need 
to get them into your system and then supplemental forms after that. You have to build a relationship. You have to give them that back and forth, learn about them while they're learning about you. That's what these inquiries want. That's the experience that they want. And how are you getting that to them? Well, it depends on on what you're trying to do here. For the data, sure, share those vital stats related to what matters to them. What are the outcomes? Is it affordable? You know, do you have the the uh, if the student says they're interested in study abroad, how many study abroad options are there? You need to talk about affordability. That always comes up as a key thing for students and parents. Uh, they want to know what your success rates are. They want to know about diversity. And our last two surveys, so our fall senior survey, our spring junior class survey, class of 2024, diversity was the number one issue for them. That's what they want in a college community. They wanted both a diverse student body, but also diverse faculty and staff. Uh, they want to be able to learn from people who haven't had the same experiences as them. You know, I, I don't, for me, coming from a small rural farming community, that was huge. Getting to go to college and experience people from all different walks of life. Uh, they want to know about their opportunities on campus and after. And then how are you delivering that? You need to think about, are you integrating video into your campaigns? Are you sharing infographics to kind of get them engaged with some of these things? Do you have motion graphics? Uh, are you just providing some talking points? So the bulleted talking points, things that you're inserting within, are you having storytelling within from student voices where you're incorporating these proof points throughout? All of this comes together to speak to why they should care, why they should apply, and ultimately why they should enroll. Because to earn their consideration, you have to excite their why. So what are the things they really care about? And then address their why not. What are the things holding them back? And for a prospect, number one there, of course, is I may not have heard of you before. Now you're emailing me. Well, that why not is pretty obvious. So you have to catch their attention. Uh, it may be for other students. It may be affordability. It may be distance from home. But getting to know them and having more time to build that relationship is so key. Now, with niche direct admissions and imports, that's a daily import of students. So you want to be able to talk to these students right away. They have their um, their initial acceptance. It's it's dependent on them getting other information to you. So the longer you wait to have that relationship, the longer you wait to respond, you know, they're going to wonder, well, what's going on? So you automate this process. So they can get that quick response and they can start going forward with you. Um, you know, you can reach your inquiries or prospects that fit your admissible criteria. And these students receive that initial offer and initial merit aid from niche, but then the rest is on you. And if you have this through an automated SFTP, right away, next day, they start hearing from you. And Damien, of course, can speak more to that, but that's such a key experience. And so you're probably wondering, how, how do you set this up in your Slate instance? So as I mentioned again, it is a very easy process. Um, Slate is one of very few admission CRMs that provide uh, SFTP, and I believe it's the only one that it's just right out of the box. It's there ready for you to set up. Um, so it's a very easy process from start to finish. We're going to go over this in a couple of ways. One is if you're doing this completely from scratch. Um, and the second is for niche, we have templates that even streamline this process. So we'll go through both of those. And you might find that other vendors that you work with, other third parties, might have their own templates that you're able to use to speed up this process as well. So in general, what you need to do is create a, a data integration service account, a, a user account that has that data integration service account type. That's going to be what you provision um, and allows that client side to deliver files. 
Then you'll configure that user account with the SFTP access, making sure they only access those pieces that you want them to, um, set up all of the preferences, and we'll go over each of these in a little bit more detail in the next couple of slides. Finally, that automation part. So you could stop there if you're just interested in the delivery, but a lot of the power of that SFTP delivery is setting up automation. And so if you're doing that, you can take the source formats that you already have in Slate, and there's options then for automating it and looking for SFTP retrieval. So example screenshots of this for each of those stages. Um, first, we'll look at that data integration service account. So as I mentioned, this is creating a new user. This is the example of what the niche service account looks like. Um, with obviously a very uh, real email that we substituted in there. But you can see that it's just setting up a new user, um, selecting it as a user type service account, um, and providing a, a user ID for it. From there, then there's a tab where you're able to provide uh, additional permissions. And so specifically what you need to do for that service account is make sure that it has SFTP access, grant that access, and then there's some additional fields um, for preferences down at the bottom. Specifically, um, some of the important configuration settings um, is setting that password uh, or that public-private key pair. And so as Brian talked about, those are both options. Um, and so uh, in Slate, you can choose to use one, the other, or both. There's path restriction. And so this is um, if you have multiple groups that you're working with, they're all delivering files to your SFTP, you want to make sure that you maintain uh, data privacy. And so niche can only see those niche prospects that we've sent over, not all of the students that have been sent over on your SFTP. So for that, setting path restrictions is what's going to limit the account access to only those specific SFTP folders. One important thing to note on that um, is that if you do make use of subfolders, those have to be listed out separately. And so if you have incoming slash niche, but maybe you want to have your inquiries delivered from a separate folder from your prospects and you have uh, incoming slash niche slash inquiries, then you're going to need to make sure that both of those paths, niche and niche inquiries, are uh, listed in your path restrictions. Finally, the last thing that you'll need to do is set up allowed networks. And this is just whitelisting IP addresses. And so which IPs do you want to allow access to? So you list those out. That makes sure um, that on the client side, they have everything that they need to do in terms of access to connect and transfer files to your Slate SFTP instance. Last piece of it, again, uh, is the automation settings. And so this lives within source formats. And source formats have this tab for import automation. So again, this is um, based off of one of our uh, source formats that we have for niche, um, specifically our conditional admits for the direct admissions program. And you can see here what it's doing is uh, it has a, an import path or mask. We'll talk about that uh, on the next slide as well, but that's really critical um, to the automation component. So some of the settings there is that import path or mask. This is what's setting what type of file are you looking for. So as files are delivered there, it's scanning to see if new files have been delivered and it's specifically looking for a pattern in the file name. And so when we deliver files, there might be multiple types. We can send you prospects who match parameters that you've set, inquiries who have directly expressed interest in your institution, their hand raisers, or conditional admins. Specific for a direct admissions program, these are the inquiries who also match your direct admissions criteria. And so for each of those, they're going to have a slightly different file name. And you might want to handle those internally slightly differently. So for each of those, you would set up an import mask for the corresponding source template. You'd create it with this wildcard. All of it will start with the name of your institution, the student type, 
and then an asterisk for the date might go in there. Or maybe you have transfer prospects and first year prospects, but you know that all of your deliveries start with this file name. So again, that import path or mask is what's going to let it know, look for uh, files that start with this name or that look like this file name. Those are the ones that you'll import through this template. The import order, if you are um, importing multiple files at the same time, if it's important to put together an order, you can set those one, two, three, and you'll start with the one that's import order one and go through the rest of the list. Finally, import frequently. So by default, it's going to do a scan of your SFTP folders every 15 minutes. But if you'd like, you could extend that. So I think on the, the example previous, I set it to 1440, which is the number of minutes in a day. And so it will scan once a day looking for new files that have been delivered to that SFTP. So again, overall, even if you're starting from scratch, a fairly straightforward process, um, Niche makes it even easier. Um, you'll receive a copy of the presentation uh, and I've linked out the Slate Knowledge Base article um, that goes to our Slate instance. Um, and so this uh, allows you to complete a lead delivery setup form um, that goes to our implementation specialists to help provide that one on one support, make sure that we get your data integrated uh, into your CRM. You'll add a niche service account. Again, that screenshot that I showed that this is the user account and has the SFTP access provisions already provided there, as well as uh, the path restrictions um, that are listed. And finally, there's the niche source format. And so those formats are what enable the automation um, that then are, are able to import that data as it's delivered to your SFTP. So really simple uh, and straightforward for Niche. Great. Well, I'm going to pass it back to you. I think we're done with the, the set content yeah. and moving on to submitted questions. Yes, yeah, so we had some questions come in in advance. We're going to cover those first. Any questions that you have, feel free to drop in the chat and we will get to those next. So first up here, is there a way to automate or schedule imports via SFTP? Yeah, and so this is a great question. Uh, obviously, we already anticipated it. And so just to reiterate kind of some of the key things I just talked about, there is a way to automate it. Um, really, the, the potential there is within the source format. So if you're already using source format, um, there's that tab at the end where you can configure to make sure that you're bringing in that import automation. If you don't already have these set up, you can create a source format. Um, that's going to uh, be that format that you can replicate over and over again, import certain files, map them in this way, and included in that is that way to automate through your SFTP. Thank you. All right, another one for you here, Damien. How difficult is it to set up? Can I do this in missions or do I need IT skills? Yeah, so part of this will depend on your comfort level for sure, but overall Slate makes it really easy. Um, there is a built-in SFTP Explorer, so you can see the files that have been delivered. You might still find that there are cases where it, things are just easier to do in an SFTP client that Brian mentioned earlier. Um, changing the organization of your folders, maybe manually moving files around, removing them from your processed uh, folder, um, where uh, files are, once they're processed, move into, maybe you have a retention policy and you want to delete those out ultimately. And so there might be some things that you want that manual flexibility, but for the most part, it's all uh, integrated into Slate and fairly easy to do. There's the caveat that depending campus to campus, you might need to get IT involved or a central tech office just to make sure that you have security permissions, things like that. It never hurts, even if you feel pretty comfortable with this, to have someone double check your work. One other thing that I'll mention related to that too is that you can, while the functionality is slightly different, you can use your test instance mm -hmm. as well. And so you'll need to um, 
kick some things off manually. But if you want to practice the setup and see how those connections work, play around with some of those configuration settings that we talked about, that's a good sandbox for you in that test instance. Yeah, that's a great tip. Brian, can I accidentally lock myself out if I mess up the allowed network? Yeah, this is also a great question. So the uh, allowed network's IP address restriction is this great tool that is available in order to restrict the IP addresses from which vendors can connect to your system. And this is a nice security feature that is offered. But the fortunate news is that the allowed network's IP address restriction should only apply to network access by the users you're provisioning for vendors to connect with. So that means that the admin level account that you use to manage the server shouldn't be affected by that IP address filtering. So you should be able to tweak this setting pretty safely without fear of locking yourself out. I absolutely can see someone a little worried about that. We've all lost a password here or there. And, uh, so makes sense. All right. For Damien here, do the files with PII, that's personally identifiable information, stay on the server? And do I have to worry about compliance? Yeah. And so this goes back to what I mentioned in that last question that I tackled, um, which is essentially the workflow is as um, files are delivered, you have automation that looks for them. And so they move from the delivery folder then into a processed folder. And so you can tell if it's been successfully imported by that movement into that, that processed folder. Now, the files will stay in those folders, either the, either the original delivered folder or the processed folder until they're taken out either manually or through data retention. Um, Slate has some built-in um, functionality where you can set up those data retention rules. And so certainly if you wanna make sure that you're uh, complying with institutional state PII, whatever the case may be, you'll wanna look into those retention policies. And that's again, a good reminder what, to what I mentioned earlier is that while there's automation and it shifts some of the burden, still a good idea to look, to check the imports and check those folders to see if you do have files that weren't processed for one reason or another. Check those import masks, make sure that it's covering all cases for file names, make sure nothing's changed. Um, just a good idea to check and make sure everything's operating smoothly in your process. Now, if there's any other questions, you can drop those in chat. Also put our email addresses up here. If you want to reach out to us with any other questions, you think of something, uh, we're pretty, pretty easy to get in touch with. Uh, if you want to use that QR code and learn more about recruiting with Niche, you can use that or the link niche.bz slash recruiting, and that'll take you right there to some more information on that side. I see a question come in from Natasha. What if I try to set up SFTP but it doesn't work? What would be some steps you could take to troubleshoot? I know that I've pitched it a couple of times, but you know I'll put in the, the plug for Slate's knowledge base here. Um, there is an FFTP section uh, and it has um, troubleshooting frequently asked questions um, that walk through some of that as well as the setup steps. So the first thing that I do to troubleshoot is just walk through the SFTP help articles and see like, have you followed each of those instructions? That might be able to help identify where in the process. Is this what the SFTP set up? Is it the folder structure? Is it delivery? Is it import? That's a good good place to start for sure. Is there a niche specific knowledge base article on SFTP setup? If so, could you link it? Is that the one that you linked in there? Yeah, it's, it's not specific to SFTP setup, but it's part of our overall article. Mm -hmm. So we have one article that's kind of all things niche for you, mm -hmm. um, includes that configuration service accounts as well as uh, links out to the, the source format. And so if you're looking specific for niche, if you are a partner of ours and you're looking to, to make sure that you can set up your SFTP instance, 
um, going to the one that's linked on that earlier slide uh, is the best way to get to it. I can also drop that in the chat if I'm yeah. stealthy and quick. Probably be good. And, and Anthony, they'll have access to the slides hereafter.